You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I am your host, Steph. Joining me today to talk about the 49ers loss in the Super Bowl, but in particular, what I want to talk about today is the key moments in the Super Bowl that really kept the 49ers from winning the Super Bowl is uh, Weston P. Smith is always on a Monday. How are you doing today, Weston? Um, surprisingly yeah. upbeat while very, 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 very sad when all is said and done, as I'm sure we're all feeling today. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're upbeat. And first, I just want to say, like, you know, yesterday my post game was very emotional for me. I just want to say I appreciate the support of all the fans, all the live chat people who, who like, were supporting me and behind me in that. And, you know, I got a lot of encouraging messages, uh, you know, this morning as well. I saw all of those. So thank you. Um, I know I'm not in this alone. And honestly, like, that's part of what makes it easier, you know, the fact that we can come up here and share these feelings with you guys. We're we're really all in this together. Um, and so, yeah, man, I'm going to keep showing up for you guys like you guys have shown up for me all season. So with that, let's just get into it, man. Let's rip off this Band-Aid, um, shall we? So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah man. So I want to talk about, again, like the key moments in this game. Cause there were several, right? Like, and, and that's, what's crazy about this game to me, because I feel like a lot of us sometimes usually want to point to a specific play in, in a loss or a specific, like, I don't know, one part of the team that like, you know, really struggle and you can blame it on that one thing. But this one felt like a real team loss. I think throughout the game, there were several moments where it felt like there were some real big opportunities for the 49ers. And ultimately, you know, it didn't end up going their way. So that's why I want to highlight these. And for me, Weston, like the first one comes in the first drive of the game. I mean, the 49ers start this game off, um, you know, just moving the ball at will. I was actually really surprised. And and even, like, when Brock was throwing the football, he had time in the pocket. Like, he was kept clean. He was just bouncing back there. Like, it looked good. And CMC was getting some good yardage. Um, but that drive ended with a fumble. And at the time, you know, I thought, okay, this is bad, right? But at the same time, I was already like, okay, the game just started. And then the defense went and did what they did to start this game. And they were able to get uh, the Chiefs to punt, right? Which is huge in that regard. But as I continue to watch this game and, you know, now knowing how it ended, I realized how big that moment was. And even though it happened so early in the game, literally when it just started, that was one of the first moments that I felt was a huge missed opportunity for the 49ers. Because, like I said, they were moving the ball at will at that point. And after that, 
you we were able to see the adjustments the Chiefs made to stop stop the run, to stop Christian McCaffrey. That first drive was their best chance, uh, you know, to put those points on the board and capitalize on what was a really strong first drive. Um, so how'd you how'd you feel about that moment and you know how yeah. it was a mistake? Just one of the many emotional swings in this game, and this one was early. Um, you know, think to give it context. Uh, think about how the 49ers prefer to start a game. They prefer to kick. They defer to the second half, right? And then to lose the coin toss and and have to take the opening, um, receive the opening kickoff throws you off your game plan a little bit. But to and they have throughout this playoffs started slow, right? And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, like building momentum, yeah. driving the ball down the field, and then of all people, of all people, Christian McCaffrey to put the ball on the turf and turn that ball over where there was no indication whatsoever that the defense on that opening drive was prepared to stop what was, you know, the first scripted few plays, right? Like it just looked like everything was working, everything was clicking, they go down and then shoot yourself in the foot, you give the ball right to them, sucks all the wind out of your sails to, you know, getting off to a really hot and – um, fiery start so yeah i think that is just item number one on the list of momentum swings in this game and um as a fan it 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 was it was very deflating right because you didn't know how that team would respond now i thought they responded well post that fact given the circumstance and you you know alluded to it being able to immediately hold the Kansas City Chiefs offense to a three and out in that instance, but there's a huge difference going up seven nothing to start the game versus turning the ball over and even taking the ball back from them. Wasted possession, wasted effort, um, a lot of things that you have to take into consideration there. And that was, yeah, that was that was painful to to start the game. I tell you, it took the took the air right out of my lungs when I was watching. <laughs> So then we saw, you know, not only did Christian McCaffrey fumble, but Isaiah Pacheco on the other side, the, the Chiefs running back fumbled. Technically, like he he fumbled twice on that drive. The other one was just recovered um, by one of his wide receivers. That one was weird because I was like, wait, was that like a forward pass? Because it yeah, I didn't know looked that intentional, actually. <laughs> but anyway, he ended up fumbling. So that was an opportunity for the 49ers right there. I mean, the defense was playing their butt off early in the game but what happened was <laughs> when the 49ers offense got the ball they also punted their opportunity right uh so both teams not able to capitalize early but clearly seeing how this game played out those opportunities i think were bigger for the 49ers than the chiefs um obviously so i i think it, it was huge that they weren't able to cap capitalize on that Pacheco fumble and and there uh another one for me was that they didn't use timeouts before the half um sometimes Kyle Shanahan like the way he approaches halftime is almost like he thinks he can roll over his timeouts into no. the second half it's like bro what are you doing you got you don't you get got six three, and a half <laughs> you, you got three timeouts right now and you know they're they're going on a drive here. The 49ers, you know, um, I, I believe they were, let's see what happened right before the half. So they got, the Chiefs got a field goal, but, yep. you know, they were killing the clock at that point. So you think, 
well, 49ers aren't going to get the ball after the half, so you should probably see if you can squeeze in a little something right before the half to just kind of make up for that. And you know you're probably going to get an aggressive, you know, Chiefs team coming out of the half. So how about, like, let's let's try to make something out of that You use some of those timeouts to stop the clock. I thought that was uh, definitely interesting. Again, it's one of those moments that it's, like, early enough in the game, you're like, I don't know if this is going to matter at the end of it. But looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, I think that could have definitely mattered. Yeah, um, I'm always perplexed by the clock management uh, of this staff. Um, I'm not as upset about it. I think a lot of what we're even going to talk about tonight is like has to be taken in with context. And some of the context context is just game flow, right? Like on that 13 play drive where they ended up just kicking a field goal, there was like these third, third and manageables. And for me, it was just not stopping them on third down. Like it was third and two, third and four, third and five. Right. And you sit there and you're like, do if I call a timeout here, like I'm really, am I playing in to Andy Reid and Mahomes? Am I giving them another opportunity? Am I giving them more time to talk about this? Cause they weren't burning their timeouts either. Not until the, like what that last third down and put them in situation for the, for the field goal. So, but it, it, it whether it's this game or any other game, like when they don't have the ball in that four minute offense um, right before the half, I'm always like, are they talking to each other? Like are Shanahan and Wilkes talking to each other in terms of like, when do we want to, um, you know, bang out these timeouts? Cause to your point, you don't get to carry them over, man. That's just not the way it works. They're there to be used, like use them. Even if it's to give your team a blow, like give them a blow, you know, give them a breather. Um, you know, but on, on the grand scale of other events that took place in this game, you mentioned the Pacheco, the Pacheco fumble. Uh, you know, football gods gifting it back, right? Like he's not, he doesn't fumble a lot. McCaffrey hasn't fumbled a lot. Those are the things that against, I hate, I constantly say this, but it's like, because they're not just playing against Patrick Mahomes, but against Patrick Mahomes, like you, you of all players, you need to capitalize on turnovers. They have to, they have to equate to points. They can't in the moment felt really good about just turning them over and stopping their momentum, you know, but then what was that followed by what a three and out four no four plays, right? So four play drive, they got the first down and then that was it. And then they, they punt from there. Like that's not, no, that's not going to be winning football in the Super Bowl against a, a top caliber team and an elite player in, in Patrick Mahomes. And, but that, that was the story all year, Steph, there just wasn't, yeah. In the losses, we talked up. You bring up all our shows. In the losses, there was no capitalization off of turnovers because they turned those other yeah, teams over. That was the thing we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Just never, you know, never really amounted to anything. And you know, obviously, a very frustrating first half for the Chiefs, right? But at the same time, like they're kind of used to that. Like they've been there before too. You know, the 49ers have been there with them before in the Super Bowl in 2019. So you think 49ers going into halftime, uh, you know, up by, I believe it was seven, 10, three, seven. So it's seven at halftime. But, you know, that at one point it was 10. Uh, and you just imagine that they're going to fight back. It's going to happen, right? 
what are you going to do this time? Because you know, you know, it's coming. So what are you going to do to prevent it? What are you going to do to take it? They were talking all week about you got to take Super Bowls, right? Um, and for this Chiefs team, like, it's, it's really no different. So I was actually surprised to see the Chiefs come out after the half, you know, because they got the ball back first. And it was kind of more of the same for them, right? Mahomes throws an interception. Shout out Jair Brown. That is big for him. Uh, me and my cousin were just talking about this earlier. Like, it sucks. It's a it's a loss, right? Because getting the interception in a Super Bowl, that's huge. To do that in your rookie season, no less, just the way that his rookie season has gone, that's crazy. So, shout out Jair Brown. Um, but again, not able to capitalize on that. They punted their opportunity away, literally. And the 49ers, I believe, started the second half with three straight punts. You you can't do that. You can't do that, especially like when you see that eventually you just know like this Chiefs team is going to wake up, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, to, for that to happen right out of the gate at halftime, I felt like that was another opportunity t- for the 49ers to you know, really kind of try to run away with something there. And again, not being able to capitalize on that. So it's funny because you, you use this phrase of like, you have to take Super Bowls. And I think half of our team tried to take this. And the half that I'm referring to is the defense, right? If I told you, you went up, you were up seven points going into the second half. Yes, you know, this is Patrick Mahomes in big games, but Throughout the playoffs, the Chiefs have been a first-half team. They haven't really done much in the second half, right? They've, like, sustained the leads and and what have you. But if I told you in a blind vacuum that the first drive of the second half was three plays, negative two yards with an interception, and then their second possession was three plays, nine yards, punt. Next next possession was nine plays, 47 yards, and it led to a 57-yard field goal, right? So it's not like they drove it all the way down inside the, the red zone, et cetera. And the next possession was three plays, eight yards. You'd say, we won this freaking game, right? Yeah. So to me, the the half of the team that was taken, it was the defense, thought the defense played really good in this game. I just thought the offense yeah. just didn't complement them. And I'm not saying the offense played poorly because I don't actually subscribe to that yeah. narrative either. There were just moments of shoot yourself in the foot. There were moments of not taking advantage of the situation. And honestly, Steph, this for me, this entire outcome of this game comes down to one word, execution, right? And I just don't think the execution was there. And that's what caused them to not take advantage. This is what we're talking about, right? Like the, the momentum swings, like, they had opportunities to put this game away. They had opportunities to impose their will on this team. Um, and I just I watched the game that I felt like the other team was just trying to be like, nah, you guys win this one. No, 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 you guys win this one. No, no, you win this game. Like that's what it felt like in the in the back and forth. Like nobody taking advantage of, of anything until you know the game was on the line, you know, and in a couple minutes left in the fourth and and into overtime. So um it was it's really just a bizarre feeling sitting here because it feels very much like 
the 2019 2020 Super Bowl four years ago, where it was like you felt like they had every opportunity to put that game away, too. But you poked the bear, you let them hang around and look at the outcome. Look at the outcome. I mean, we we knew, like, I think what the outcome would be. I, I mean, in hindsight, right? Like watching it live, I think I was like, you always have just that inkling of hope that it'll somehow work out. But at the same time, you're also like, ooh, they're flying really close to the sun here. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that doesn't often turn out very well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely several key missed opportunities for me uh, were big in this game. And I actually feel like the third quarter is where it all kind of accumulated in, uh, for the 49ers. It just it kind of fell apart a little bit. And I say that because that's when the Daryl Luter, Ray Ray McLeod situation on special teams after, you know, again, the defense forcing uh, a punt and for that to take place, that really just felt like where the Chiefs were able to find their footing, you know, after struggling to get it. Pretty yeah. much the entire game. So all they needed was all they needed was one opportunity. And once they were once they were able to capitalize on it, them being the Chiefs, like they they didn't really look back from that point on. And it was I thought just kind of hard to recover. It wasn't like an avalanche of sorts. Like it it was a slow burn after that. But to me, that's the single key moment in this game. I know we're talking about all of them. To me, that's the biggest. No question. I mean, we just described it, right? Like four possessions, or an inter- a turnover, two punts, and a field goal that Kansas City had at that point. The fourth, third quarter was a 10-point swing, right? We didn't put up any points. They put up 10. So they walk out of there plus three going into the fourth quarter, and that was a big one at the end. I mean, you just held them to another three and out in a botched, Muff punt and not even by Ray Ray, right? I mean, it hits his player and he's got no choice but to try, try to go find that football, you know? Um, and of course, I'm freaking out while the game's happening because my eyes didn't see it hit looter first. I'm right, just like, Ray right. Ray, what are you doing? Right. Like, yep. I'm thinking Kyle Williams all over again, but I apologize because, like, Ray Ray, that's not you. Like, you have to go find that football. You know, it hit your guy. You saw it. Like, you got to do whatever. I would love for you to try to fall on it versus picking it up. But I understand in the heat of the moment, you're just trying to get your hands on it because you know you have to. So I don't, I'm not faulting Ray Ray there, but that is the single biggest moment in the game without question because that is a huge, again, three and out versus they get the ball on your 16 yard line and the momentum pendulum swings the entire opposite direction. And that that's it. That, that for me, that was like, that's when I knew that this game, regardless of what happened and transpired over the remainder of the quarter in the fourth quarter was like, not the, the football God said, this is the Kansas city chief super bowl. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't just the one special teams, you know, uh, fallout that happened there. Also in the third quarter was the blocked extra point because, of course, after the muff um, and the fumble, the Chiefs got the ball back, of course, right at the doorstep <laughs> of a touchdown. Yep. Of course, they get the touchdown. 49ers able to score after that drive, kind of like it woke them up. 
they seem the 49ers to me are a little more like of a reactionary team at least in the playoffs like that's what we've seen so they saw the Chiefs score like oh we better score here and they did uh <laughs> but they they got the extra point blocked um so watching that one live Wesson like I I didn't blame Jake Moody I I don't know if I even I don't know how much I blame him now. I think he was nails in this game as far as the field goals uh, that he hit in the game. I mean, especially given just everything he had kind of the ups and downs of his regular season, right? I thought it was big for him to kind of have those moments. Uh, but that that blocked extra point, like, do you feel like that was Moody's fault? Uh, and and how do you feel like that may have impacted this game? It definitely had an impact, right? Because that changes. That's a four point game versus a three point game. Now let's be very clear about this. It could have also had a positive impact on this game and letting the 49ers because if the Kansas City Chiefs are going down and they're playing for having to score a touchdown, this game never goes to overtime. You never get that chance if they score that touchdown when they need it. And let's just believe for a second that they needed it. Right at the end of the day, they're in a different mentality when that happens. Of like, all right, we need three, right? We need three. Like that. That was the difference um, in in separation there. Um, but for me, hard to blame the kicker. I mean, I could sit here and probably say like, hey, he was trying to line drive. He was trying to get out. But at the end of the day, like you have linemen in front of you, and their job's supposed to block, and you're supposed to keep the the defender out of the kicker's right. lane and keep their hands down. So, how can I blame him? When up until Harrison Bucker kicked his 57-yard field goal, this rookie just kicked the longest field goal in Super Bowl history with 55 yards. He had two field goals of over 50 yards. Yeah. I, I look at what was the, the biggest question mark we had coming into this game based off of the playoff performances. Like, please don't put this, this game in the hands of the rookie kicker um, who's had the shakes. or And he I – I can't blame him for the extra point. Can't. Because, you know, dude has hit 250-plus yard field goals in the Super Bowl as a rookie. Like, come on now, you know. And the kick was in line, right? Like, it just – defender got their hands up. Defender make a play. They get paid to play too, you know. Um, it's tough. But it definitely, definitely had an impact in the game. Like, playing for three versus playing for four, um, totally different mentality that the other team has to carry. So some people thought that had the 49ers – made the extra point, you know, obviously they'd be up four points. The Chiefs got the ball back with 11 minutes, 22 seconds um, in the fourth quarter. Uh, so do you feel like, or was that in the third? Hold on. Might have been in the third quarter. I'm after after the missed extra point. After the missed, missed extra point, yeah. So in the... Uh, no, that was in the fourth. That was in the fourth. Okay, yeah. Wait. Yes. Because yeah. they came that down. Was and that was a really long goal. drive. It started in the third. Yep. Spilled into the fourth. Okay, sorry. Um. So, yeah, Chiefs got the ball back with 11 minutes, 22 to go in the fourth quarter. So, some people were like, okay, well, if the 49ers are up four, that just, like, ups the ante and the urgency for the Chiefs to then get a touchdown there at the end. Do you feel like that would have changed this game in any way? Like, do you feel like the Chiefs try to use as much of that, those 11 minutes as possible to then go out and score? Um, 
And do you think that they would score anyway, making, you know, whether he made the extra point or not a moot point? Yeah. So look, hindsight's 2020, right? We were all Monday morning quarterbacks watching this game and, and it hurts so bad. But the reality is, is like, when have you known Patrick Mahomes to not go down there and do exactly what is needed, right? So if they needed four, they were going to get seven. There's no four-point play in the NFL, right? They're going to go get seven. So now you're down three, and that changes the complexion. I mean, they went 12 plays, 69 yards, ate up almost six minutes of clock. They were had every intention of running out as much clock as possible. I think they were fine with their defense being on the field you know, if they were to score a touchdown there. I think, you know, but – that's when they get dangerous, right? That's when you might see them go for it on a fourth and one where if it's a three-point game, you're like, all right, they'll kick the field goal and we'll get the ball back. Like Andy Reid's been doing this a long time. He's okay with tying it. He trusts his defense. He's seen nothing from our offense to signify that we're going to go down and put seven up on them. Um, I just think it changes the mentality. But I also think, Steph, at that point in the game, you're talking about almost 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like it's really hard to eat up 12 minutes of clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for um, sure. You know, I think they would have been fine if it was four points going down, kick a field goal, saying our defense is going to stop them. We'll get the ball back. We'll kick a field goal to win it. You know, um, I don't think it had much impact. I think from the 49ers fan perspective, we want to say we were up by four versus three. And it's just another blunder and another error to point to in a litany of them that contributed to ultimately the loss of the game. But I, I while I think it had an impact, I don't think it was nearly as significant as a muff punt, as a fumble Christian McCaffrey, you know, on a fumble by Christian McCaffrey on the first drive. I just think it's just another thing like, hey, why you're calling out everything that went wrong, might as well lump that into the equation as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, talking about all the key moments here, even the big and small ones, I think, you know, did add to the equation um, for the 49ers. But yeah, that's probably definitely not the biggest one of this game. But, but you know, going back to the third quarter and, and how that kind of started the shift for the 49ers, both on maybe defense, but more so offense, I think. Um, I think it allowed Steve Spagnolo and, and credit to him for whatever adjustments he made after the half. I think it gave uh, him a chance to really start to sink his teeth into the 49ers offense, into what Brock, sorry, did, did I lose you guys? No, you're good. Still okay. got you. What Brock Purdy, uh, you know, was trying to do on offense. After the game, Spagnolo talked about how he came away very impressed with Brock Purdy, like he he talked about in the first half how he was finding all of the seams in their defense and, you know, exploiting it. And, yeah, I mean, in the first half, you kind of saw how comfortable Brock Purdy looked in the pocket and he was getting those throws and, uh, you know, executing, I thought, what he could and, and what was available to him. Uh, but as the game went on and things started to adjust and shift. And again, we talked all through the last two weeks, this was going to be a chess match between Kyle Shanahan and Steve Spagnuolo. Spagnuolo has, you know, the, the football smarts to, you know, formulate a really great game plan. And also just the adjustments, the personnel, he has, he has a lot at his disposal to, you know, make this a very difficult game for the 49ers. So, I think as the game went on, 
it just played into that more and more. And you kind of saw how in the third and fourth quarter, he was able to bring in the blitz on those third downs. Cause like the 49ers, you know, getting into third and fives or like, you know, at times even third and longs and they bring in the blitz. Sometimes they were getting free rushers in the fourth quarter. There was that third and five, two minutes left in regulation, very timely blitz by Spagnolo. and Brock Purdy literally just has to chuck it up to Juwan Jennings um, in the end zone. Obviously, doesn't get to him. It's overthrown, and um, n- you know you don't get the footing you always want on a on a blitz, especially when it's coming up the interior. So, yeah, I mean that was big. The other one. And I want to lump these two together because it's kind of all in the same uh, in the same realm here. Once they got to overtime, uh, you know, the, the 49ers did win the toss. Choose uh, They chose to defer, which uh, we will talk about here in a second. Nope. Um, but on the 49ers' first possession, again, they're 49ers moving the ball on that one. You know, they got down third and four. You know, they're in the red zone. Chris Jones, free rusher up the middle and you know Brock Purdy really can't do anything uh with that and that's that's pretty much the game I mean for the 49ers um so what did you think well like watching those blitzes and the moments in which they came and how it just complicated things for this 49ers team like I I really felt like those those were key those were big for for them yeah, um, a couple things to unpack from from that, right? From the third quarter on, you you mentioned, listen, Steve Spagnuolo is a heck of a defensive coordinator, right? And he's done tremendous things with this defense. And the most important thing he did in this game outside of the first 49ers first possession is he took the run game away. He took, it, he took the run game away. I know everybody wants to poo-poo Kyle and the play calling and everything, especially in the second half. You're going to, you know, box stores, you're going to hear box score stats like, they only ran the ball one time in nine plays or blah, 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 blah. But they were playing behind the sticks every time. You know what I mean? Like you had what that first possession, um, you know, yes, they went to throw it on first down, catch them off guard. i got no problem with being aggressive there. Second down, all of a sudden's false start five yards. Now you're back at second and 15, yep. right? So like now you're in throwing downs. Like they know you're not going to run it there. And then on the next possession, the first play is a short term Jennings and it goes for negative eight yards. So now you're at second and 18. You're not running the ball there. Like it's just it, everybody. You, we look at box like the box score and we don't actually take into account game flow. And that's what was so important that Steve yeah. Spagnuolo did was take away um, the run game. Now, to your point, on uh, especially the one in oh, the egregious one in overtime. This is what I was saying before about for me, this game boils down to execution. How you the fuck? Kyle drew up the the, the perfect play call. Ayuk yeah. is open in the back of the end zone. Yep. Jawan Jen, all somebody has. You could even argue that Kittle was wide open just for a little dunk after you know um, pirouetting and, and blocking. But somebody, somebody, I don't know who. Somebody is responsible for picking up a blitz or getting a body in front of that person. I mean, Jesus, Will, Willie Gay and Chris Jones were both shocked. They're like, oh my. There's, you see them like hesitate, like I can't believe nobody's blocking me, and they get in and and disrupt the game. It's execution. 
Coaches call plays. Players have to execute the play. And this is what's so awesome and so frustrating about the NFL. On a single play, 10 people can do everything right. It only takes that one person to do something wrong or miss an assignment. And all of it is a moot point. Like, it's just not there. I mean, Ayuk, listen, Jennings is the call here, right? Like, this is where they wanted to go to the ball. But, I mean, oh, my God, look at number 11. There's nobody within 30 yards of him in the back of the end zone. Like, that's a the play caller scenario. Look at Kittle. Oh, my, you know yeah, I mean? even Kittle. I'm actually surprised he didn't throw it to Kittle. Um, I just don't think he could. I don't think he trusted that he could. Like, that would have to go up and over based on this pressure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chris Jones yeah. is a big, bad man, you know, when <laughs> he's breathing down you. Right. Um, it's just tough, Steph. It's tough because, like, Look, everybody wakes up, everybody, we all, we all take losses differently. We, some of us want to play the blame game. Some of us just want to be in our fields. Um, there's enough blame to, to go around. But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs were better when it mattered most. Period. Stop. Like the end of the end of it. I don't think this game is a single one play. I don't think it's a single one person. Um, it is a you said it to kick us off here. Like it is an epitome of a what feels like a team loss because you can point yeah. to so many different scenarios through throughout the game. I think more importantly, and I'm sure we'll get to this, like there's some people that played some really good games that that should be recognized in in this discussion as well. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it's Burford or McKivitz. I don't know the line protection. For all I know. It could have been Brock, right? For all I know, like, hey, you're gonna have a hot guy. Like, that's the way that this call, this play is called. Like the Hassan Reddick nightmare that ruined his UCL. Like, that's by design. Like, there's a guy going free, and that's the hot read. I don't know. I'm not in the huddle. I don't know. So, Somebody missed an assignment. That's all I do know. So, of course, like, there's a lot of speculation about this particular play because it's like, why, why, and how could you let this happen on such a pivotal? moment a third down coming down to the wire of this game uh and so you know we're getting a lot of speculation some people think it's Colton McKivitz uh but as you see John Feliciano who had to exit this game he was he was playing pretty well at right guard and he had to exit this game he suffered uh an injury uh I I would say like there's a lot of injuries that happened in this game that felt pretty key for the 49ers as well I just didn't want to highlight that as much just because you know I think there were other moments of execution like you were talking about Weston that played a far greater role than just injuries but John Feliciano here responded to this tweet of someone uh coach Yak saying Colton McKivitt like this was on Colton McKivitt but John Feliciano says I know you know I'm assuming this was a typo I know you know ball so you should know that's not Colton's guy so I mean, you watch the play and you're like, well, if it's not Colton's guy, the only other guy there is Spencer Burford. Interesting enough, Spencer Burford is the guy that was going in in replacement for John Feliciano when he exited with an injury. So for one, I thought it was really interesting to see John Feliciano say this publicly on Twitter, or maybe he meant off, sure. Um and like okay it doesn't matter uh and and you know pretty much get his guy under the bus here in uh burford 
this is crazy. This is this is crazy. But I guess we have our answer. I mean, it seems like it was Spencer Burford who had that assignment, um, and you know, whiffed on that one. So that answers that question. But really quickly, Weston. I mean, to go back to the overtime decision because that's another one that people have been talking about, right? 49ers won the toss. They chose um, not to divert. That they chose to you know, get the ball first. Yep. They wanted to score first, even after asking Kyle Shanahan after the game, after he was asked by the media, he said that was the plan. Kyle Shanahan knew the overtime rules. Now all the players did, but Kyle knew what he wanted to do at that moment. He wanted the ball first. And the reason he wanted the ball first was so that if they match points on the first two drives of overtime, they'd have that third opportunity to pretty much score in sudden death right and win the game at that point well as we know that's not how the game ended up going down for the 49ers the 49ers didn't score and they just got a field goal that gave the Chiefs the chance to put the game away with their you know the second drive of overtime so what did you think about that decision and how much it impacted you know this game Again, you know, hindsight's always perfect vision 2020, right? Uh, knowing the outcome, I'd probably rather had the ball second, but I don't have, I honestly don't have a problem with it because new overtime rules are not the goal is always go down and score touchdowns, period, point blank, right? Like, again, the Chiefs can sit there and say, well, I would, you know, we were going to go for two. We talked about, it. yeah, you can say that after the fact. Were you going to go for two if you had the ball first and scored a touchdown? Or, you know, like if, you just need to tie the game up and get a, another possession going. You know, I don't know. I, do, I don't know, but I don't have a problem with the give me the ball. Let's go. I mean, there's so many things that go into this equation. Like, I mean, defense played a lot of snaps. Do you, do you want them to rest for overtime? That's another full quarter of football. You know what I mean? Or 10, ten minute quarter of football. Um, I, I don't think it, it bared much in the the outcome of who had it first, who didn't. The, the reality is the 49ers went down, they kicked the field goal. You know, Chiefs came back and scored a touchdown. Like <laughs> simple yeah. math. I if I if I'm questioning anything, I think if you had that aggressive mentality of that you want the football in overtime, I like to have seen you go for it on fourth down there. If the touchdown was the end result, that maybe that's my qualm with the the decision is I know it's overtime. I know it's points, but I also know it's Super Bowl. And I know that you can't feel good about your chances against Patrick Mahomes and an Andy Reid team in overtime in a Super Bowl. Like, I need, if the touchdown's the goal, like, I want to see you be aggressive there. I want to, I'd rather go for it on fourth. I can stomach walking away with zero points versus three points um, because I know they're going to come down the field and get points, period. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that no matter what happens, if you're on the losing end, like someone's going to criticize that decision no matter what. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, look, the, the chiefs, a couple of chiefs players, including Patrick Mahomes himself said, if the 49ers scored a touchdown, we would have went for two points on our drive. And I, I mean, I don't know. Some people were like, well, the defense would have played them differently if they knew that, you know, the Chiefs were going to be going for a touchdown. You should you should assume, first of all, that the opposing team is always going to try to go for the win. Uh, so that should that should be the way you defend it. 
every time. Um, I mean, you're playing the Super Bowl here. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know um, how much of a difference it would have made, I guess, if the 49ers did uh, end up scoring a touchdown on their opening overtime drive. But it to me, with all the things we discussed already, there were so many opportunities before then in regulation yeah. that, you know, it didn't even have to get to that point, right? right. So to me, the overtime thing – it's it's just the most recent thing that happened that we can fixate on, but it's it's not the reason the 49ers ended up losing this game. Alone. No, I, this is the dangerous part about like the way the season comes to an end because now there is no next week, right? This isn't week eight where you get to make right on something that went wrong in this game, and we're gonna sit here, Steph, and. You and I are going to do this a lot for the next six, seven months, the what if game. And you can't help it. That's part of like covering a team and talking about what's going on. There are 35 what if scenarios in this Super Bowl. (laughs) And this is just one of them. What if they kicked it off um, and gave the Chiefs the ball first versus taking it in overtime? What if Daryl Luter? You know, heard Ray Ray McLeod saying Peter Poison, whichever term they use to get away and got away from the ball. What it, you know, like it, it's that's what makes it hurt because you can plug in that scenario and then have it change the outcome of the game. But the reality is, is like there is no what if. Like, there definitely isn't just one what if like yeah. I, and i don't know if that's why it hurts a little bit more or is because like oh it's the second time doing this yeah. and we still got the same results but weston earlier you talked about you know some of the guys who played outstanding games in this one and you know generally this monday show is usually our 49k player of the week show i mean it to me it doesn't feel right to give anyone an award in a loss of this magnitude. Um, But I would like to just list off some players that, you know, I want to give some flowers to Um, first, uh, like Nick Bosa played his heart out for the second time in a Super Bowl, mind you, 14 pressures in 2019, 12 pressures, um, you know, in Super Bowl 58. Uh, So he put it all out there and, that's what people asked him. We're asking him of all season and he did it. So it, it, for me, it, it sucks for the guys who laid it all out. Be, another guy, Chawan Jennings, he was on his way to being Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> if the 49ers won that game, like that'd be crazy. Uh, but yeah, man, he, he was another guy that he, he really put it all out there. He was the 49ers best players a day you know so those guys uh, i definitely want to give flowers to there's others too but weston i want to give you a chance to name a couple guys yeah i mean i mean jawan was the best quarterback in the game he had a perfect qbr (laughs) uh perfect rating for this game but yeah he was a a jack of all trades and you love it um obviously i hope 49ers are able to retain him in the offseason might be tough might have might have found himself a little bit of a deeper bag based on a super bowl performance um, and just a constant, you know, media talk and the tape that he put out for the in the postseason. I know this is not going to be a popular one because he obviously had an inopportune moment. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he said like before the game, I don't know what pregame you watch, but I'm big on the NFL network. I love Kurt Warner. I love that group. I love what they do. And Kurt Warner in his bold prediction said there's never been a player 
um, to do 75 yards rushing, 75 yards receiving in a, in, an, in a Super Bowl. And Christian McCaffrey did 80 and 80 exactly, right? So that is a record, and that is still 160 yards in total offense, um, a touchdown to go with it. I, and so I, Christian, I'm going to say Chris Conley. Big moments from Mr. Chris Conley, like where he a yeah. big third down catch, yeah. two huge special teams plays, and, and in a game like this, those plays matter. Like they matter yeah. a lot. And here's a guy who was like inactive the majority of the season. All of a sudden, he finds himself on an active roster. I'm um, in the playoffs, and that's that veteran. Um, a lot of people I want to shout out on defense. Jair Brown, I thought played himself a great game. Diamador Lenore, I thought played really, really well. Um, and he's God, he's just big time in the in the playoffs. And then another one. I'm going to say this, Stefan. This is more about the future go forward. I was really pleased to see that for me, and maybe I'm alone in this, and I don't think I am, the moment still did not seem too big for Brock. It just yeah, didn't. It didn't. And I think that is really, really important, right? Like this is a guy in his young career who is seeing a lot of big time football, playoff football, now playing in a Super Bowl. Rosters are going to churn. Things are going to change. We're going to speculate all offseason. Is he going to be the quarterback or is he not? Because he can't beat Patrick Mahomes. Sorry to curse, but fucking newsflash, right? Last I checked, everybody loses to Patrick Mahomes. And the Patrick Mahomeses <laughs> don't grow on trees. You know what yeah. I mean? If they did, Josh Allen can't beat them. Lamar Jackson can't beat them. Like, it, it, that is the NFL's problem. Like, he's yeah. going to be the arch nemesis of every single team and be very hated like Tom Brady was very quickly. Um, but for me, it was really good for Brock because this is good experience. He's a really good football player. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, but as the roster churns and things happen, you need – look at it. Casey's roster was decimated. Everybody wrote him off. They're like, no Hill, no nothing, blah, blah, blah. Still got Patrick. Still got Patrick. You know what I mean? And Brock's mm -hmm. not that guy. Right. But if you can be a really good quarterback, that should elevate around him. And I was just really pleased to see that there was never a moment in time to me where he just looked like a deer in headlights. Um, Thank you. And that I think that's a big thing. I agree. So I, I thought it was interesting, like you mentioned, you know, Christian McCaffrey too, because yeah, like looking back at the box score after the game and seeing the 80 yards rushing in, 80 yards receiving, I was like, wow. Like it actually didn't feel like he had that much, but he did. One that that kind of helps dispel this narrative of Kyle abandoned the run. He he carried the ball twenty two times, and and two I I think to go along with what you said about Brock Purdy is like those guys didn't have sexy games, right? Like it it, it didn't look sexy, but they did what they needed to do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, definitely got to appreciate that. Uh, also want to give flowers to Fred Warner. I think he did a tremendous job, you know, guarding Jason, uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey in this game, especially in the first quarter. I, that was huge. He was virtually shut out. I mean, yeah. in the first quarter, I, not the yeah, first half, sorry. First half, yeah. Um, and I thought that was big green law. Like when he was in there was huge in this game. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm devastated for him as well. Uh, Man, that, I mean, of course, that's going to be something we talk about much of this offseason and how the 49ers kind of yeah. handle that. But I'm absolutely gutted uh, for Greenlaw just, you know, being 
having to go out in, in this fashion in this game. So, uh, but I thought when he was out there, man, he, he was a difference maker, you know, and, and that's what he's been for this team uh, as long as he's, he's been with the team. So yeah, definitely wanted to give flowers to those guys. And then uh quick shout out to 49ers throwback who uh, gave, uh, put this on my radar as we were going live here mike silver put out a piece earlier today it was this one so if you guys check it out the title is here's why you shouldn't blame kyle shanahan for 49ers super bowl 58 defeat according to columnist mike silver okay and a couple excerpts from that piece i'm gonna read for you guys here it says as he sat on that bench next to Peggy and waited for their son, Mike Shanahan summed up the state of affairs thusly. You keep fighting. That's effing life. I don't care what job you've got. When things happen, you've got to fight through it. You want to get to you want to get to the mountaintop. What you're gonna feel sorry for yourself? And then he goes on to say, after a long season and a hope-filled Sunday that ended suddenly and sadly, the people closest to Shanahan felt his pain. When he came out to greet them, his wife, Mandy, their three children, Stella, Carter, and Lexi, and his parents, his eyes welled. There he stood, a 44-year-old man who looked like he wanted to close his eyes and curl up on the couch with the only people who truly could understand his anguish. Um, and I got to read the entire, you know, piece, obviously, but just like the rest of us, you know, Kyle Shanahan taking this loss very hard. And I know that exact feeling of, you know, wanting to close your eyes and just curl up on the couch. Cause we're, we're all feeling that, but these Kyle, the co every single coach, every single player who were part of this game and part of this team, this loss is, is feeling really heavy, you know? Yeah. Um, and so basically what I said yesterday in, in my post game was like, man, I feel terrible. I feel so gutted. Can you imagine how each of these guys feel who literally lived this? Yeah. They were in it. <laughs> I mean, it's got to feel terrible. So no. definitely gives me, you know, a greater appreciation for what they go through. This, this The grind of the season is so difficult, especially – getting this far and and not being able to get it done. So yeah. I do have some uh, empathy with that. And I just hope they, they find a way to keep on fighting. I mean, Nick Bosa in, in his post game presser kind of talked about how difficult it is to, you know, get this close and, and not be able to get it done. So um, it, yeah, man, it's, I, I hope they can find some way to to really get that you know drive back. Yeah, I, listen, the, we talk about it all the time, Steph. The yes, they're players. Um, yes, they put themselves in the spotlight, and we spend a lot of time talking about their performance, both good and bad. But they're human. They're human. I'm a 40 year old man, Steph. I'm not even embarrassed to admit it. When the when it went off, I asked my family to turn off the TV. I sat behind my couch and I cried. I've been I've been playing this over and over in my head for a long time. And they, they understand me. They know exactly what they're going through. They all just came, put their arm around me and they quietly left my house. You know what I mean? And I had to call them this morning to say, guys, I'm sorry, but like, it's an emotional game. It's, it, it, it's, 
But here's the thing, and this is like if I can just convey one thing, is this is our last time doing 49k player for the 2023 into the 2024 season. I really hope we can continue this stuff. I've had so much fun and I and I look forward to partnering in the offseason around stuff. At nauseum, we're going to talk about like what this team needs to do to piece it back together, avoid Super Bowl hangover, all that fun stuff. We'll talk about it. That being said, like this, like the the narrative around fire, fire Kyle, like guys, just please stop. Look, like please stop. You who? Okay, if if you want to bring that up, tell me who you're going to replace him with, please. And you can't say Andy Reid; he's got a job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look around this league. It's a, it's a, it's coaching carousel year after year after year. Nine, ten vacancies, and I look around and I see all these guys who are the next best head coach that are looking for freaking jobs, who are not in the playoffs, not doing any guys. Just just stop. And like, I understand it's not the result you want, and it's a very reactionary sport. Like, I'm upset, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not absolving him from criticism by any means. I'm just saying, like, stop with the silly take until you actually have the answer for it. And the answer actually doesn't exist in the NFL right now. Sorry, guys, you're not going to convince John Harbaugh to leave the Ravens. Mike Tomlin is not leaving the Steelers yet. Andy Reid is not leaving the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, tell me who. Tell me who's the hot young coordinator like Kyle was that's a better coach than him. It just sucks. Like, it hurts. We feel it. But I want everybody I want to I want to be positive here positive here Steph. I'm going to ask you a question. It's a rhetorical, but I do want your answer. <laughs> Why do you love the game of football? Why do you watch the game of football? Why are you a fan of the game of football? I I don't know. Like I I just love the team and you grow to love the each players and it's crazy because like every year you get different players on a team yeah. you know it's not always the same guys but you love them just the same as you know the guys from the year before right and nope. you know you you feel like you go through the season with them you you kind of you know go through the the motions of it with them and you know it's special to to witness them you know getting going for that goal, you know, it's, it's awesome. And then also the connections that we, we are able to grow with other fans as well, the faithful, right. So all those things, you know, make it special aside from, you know, kind of enjoying the X's and O's of, of all of it and, and all that. But what about you? So like all sports, it's entertainment, right? Like that's what you're there for the entertainment. So seriously, 49er fans think about, the Kyle Shanahan era. Think about playing in two Super Bowls, participating in four NFC um, championship games. I hate to quote the gladiator, but are you not entertained? Like, look <laughs> around at these other fan bases, like these poverty franchises that aren't making the playoffs year over year. Like, you invest in this team. Yes, we get invested in players, and that's always the downfall, right? When you invested in the people, because it hurts that much more. And this team was really special. Right, like yeah. down to all the individuals, and you really wanted it for them. But the reason why we turn to sports as fans is for entertainment value. You'd be hard pressed to find another team in the National Football League outside of the Kansas City Chiefs that has brought you as much enjoyment and entertainment as the San Francisco 49ers. At the end of the day, yes, we want to win Super Bowls. I grew up watching this team when that was the standard it should still be the standard but at the end of the day we just want to be entertained for as long as we can possibly be 
and show me the teams that are letting you watch more meaningful football than the San Francisco 49ers right now, right? Like trying to have a silver lining moment here. Like there's still a lot of positivity. Remember, this was a sunk franchise when Kyle Shanahan took over. There is reason to be optimistic about what the future can be as well. But in this moment right now, it sucks. It's a punch to the gut. I get it. I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. Like any of you wanted to get out of bed this morning. I wanted to cry and I still want to cry for the next, until the next season starts. But guess yeah. what? It's so awesome about football. We'll be back and we'll be all back in our feels and our emotions doing it all over again. And you got people like Steph who are going to take you all the way from February up until August to get you by. And you know you'll be joining me too, right, Weston? So. Like, you know, so. we're, we're still we're still going strong here. But that <laughs> I'm I'm I I feel like that's a great way to end this episode. Actually, like that's the, on a positive note. Thinking about the silver lining, because at the end of the day, that's kind of what this episode of of Forty Nine K Player of the Week, how we had it, how we've done it all all season, right? So let's end it on that. And I want to just say thank you to, again, to everyone who's been tuning in. It is so difficult, I understand, to consume this content after a loss. If anything, I hope that it brings you guys solace that we're all kind of going through it together. Kind of like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going through it together. We're going to be here for you. You guys have been here for us. Uh, so I appreciate that. All right. And make sure you guys like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Not just mine, but Weston's as well. All right. We got a lot of great content. We're going to keep it coming in the off season. All right. It's officially off season. And yes, it's officially draft season. You know, I cook in the draft season. All right. So I'm going to bring that content for you guys. Like I always do. Keep it locked. I know a lot of you were like, I got to unsubscribe. I got to unfollow all these accounts because it's like, it's, it's too much. I get it. I get it. All right. But we're always going to be here no matter what. So just know that and appreciate you guys. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday folks. Peace.